It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. He asked me to pull his finger, and I said, I can't pull your finger. And he said, Why not? And I said, have you seen The Price of Gas? The Bruce Collins Show. The Bruce Collins Show. Daring to take radio past the point of no return. Theater of the Mind. Show. Chakalaka. Are we on? <laughs> Isn't it great we live in a country where you can say boom shakalaka 
and you might even be able to say it twice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Bruce Collins Show. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here once again. And we have a great show this week. Our guest is Jim Garrow. Now, Jim Garrow has recently written a book called The Pink Pagoda, One Man's Quest to End Gendercide in China. He's been described by the United Nations as a criminal engaged in human trafficking. But what has Jim Garrow really been doing? He's been saving Chinese baby girls, 44,000 to date. This man is a true hero. He deserves our time. I have read the book, and it is outstanding. Again, the book is The Pink Pagoda, and that's the name of his organization that saves these little children. Now, we had a planned for an auditionist this week, and uh, that plan has been taken back a week. Uh, the person has not appeared to audition. <laughs> and uh, either they got cold feet or they... Uh, got the time mixed up, whatever the the idea was, uh, I'll probably give them another chance. And I have other people lined up, too, to audition, uh, uh, at least a handful, a small handful. If I was a dwarf, it would be a small handful of people who would like to audition for the program. So we will be doing that, but we've postponed that for one week. And it's me, Bruce Collins, here for the news. You probably saw this this week, but there, were, there was a message now beamed through rock with exotic particles. For the first time, scientists have used neutrinos, the exotic fundamental particles that routinely pass through Earth to send a message through the ground. Researchers have long been intrigued by the communication possibilities of neutrinos because these particles can easily travel through matter, including a planet, without stopping, slowing down, or being misdirected. Now, a lot of people think that HARP has been doing this very uh, thing. Neutrinos are extremely tiny particles with almost zero mass and neutral charge. Thus, they are impervious to electromagnetic forces and respond very weakly to gravity. They almost never collide with other particles, generally passing straight through the atoms that make up matter. Now, scientists have successfully harnessed neutrinos to send a message from one place to another, spelling out the word neutrino in a, parti- in a particle binary code. The researchers used the NUMI particle accelerator at the Fermi National Accelerator Laboratory in Batavia, Illinois, everyone's heard of that, to create beams of neutrinos which resulted when speeding protons collide into a wall of atoms. And NUMI stands for Neutrinos at the Main Injector. So they can now send words and messages through rock. So... If they could send music through rock, I guess they would call that rock music, wouldn't they? Hmm. And what about this article? Did you see this? A soda a day raises your chances significantly of having a heart attack. I've been on to this for years. That's why every Sunday I drink seven cans of soda, and then for the rest of the week I have none. I'm a smart man. Now, of course... In, in engaging in this article about the soda and the heart attack corollary, or maybe it's coronary, there's actually a, uh, there's more to the story, quite frankly, because many people who drink a lot of soda, 
you know, their whole diet is bad. And we've all been through this, eating fast food like McDonald's, Burger King. Uh, here in Northern California, we have Jack in the Box. And a lot of people do this. You know what's interesting about McDonald's, by the way, is they're actually not, uh, at the corporate level at least, they're not a hamburger company. Did you know that? Uh, the franchisee sells the hamburgers. McDonald's buys prime real estate, and then they line up a franchisee who then rents that real estate monthly and sells the hamburgers. So the franchisee sells the hamburgers. Now, he does buy the the meat and everything else from corporate. So in that respect, they're making money on the hamburgers. But the real money is being made by McDonald's through their real estate. They own quite a bit of land. Smart, smart company. And if the government ever says that fast food eating is the same as smoking... And you better believe that's what this soda stuff is all about. If any of you have looked ahead, soda is the next demon, quite frankly. And so, uh, and speaking of smoking, by the way, I saw a wonderful movie called Hugo. For the most part, this, fam- this movie is a family movie, fairly wholesome, and yet it's been attacked for a few scenes uh, where people are smoking. Now, I know that's bad. People shouldn't smoke. That's bad for you, okay? But there's a lot of horrible things going on in movies today. And you take a, a good, basically good movie like Hugo and attack it for the smoking. Seems a little bit hypocritical when we have these occultic messages, innuendo, and all sorts of horrible violence going on in the movies today. I find it kind of laughable. So now we have soda, and soda is the next evil. So you better drink as much as you can right now. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. But you know this is going to come under attack soon. And then, of course, we'll have fast food, and pretty soon we'll all be eating cardboard because they'll tell us it has fiber. Who knows what that, that'll do to our toilets. But anyway, that's for another program. No doubt we'll do that. But getting back to McDonald's, now if the government ever someday says, hey, fast food, you know what? You're done. We're going to tax you. Greatly because you're bad for the health of people in the, quote, free world. How do you like that irony? So McDonald's is going to say, okay, well, our competitors are going to go out of business because they just sell hamburgers, but we have real estate. So McDonald's is actually probably in a pretty good place even if their burger franchise gets killed someday because of all the real estate. They at least will have time to sell that off, make bundles of money for their CEO and their board, and maybe their shareholders, who knows. But that's interesting to think about. I know I took the long way around, but um, drink your soda now. What can I say? Folks, they're even taking away our plastic bags. Oh, dear. And did you see this? A teen claims, and I would say his claims were probably correct, It claims that the Ouija board told him to stab his friend. Did you see that? Big story this week. And uh, it's from Texas, McAllen, Texas. This teenager was charged in the stabbing of his 14-year-old friend. And he said that the Ouija board told him to carry out the attack. And that's what the police said. The 15-year-old boy has been charged with attempted murder after stabbing his friend with a four-inch knife on February 29th 
in a wooded area behind a high school in West Aco, West Laco. I don't know what it is. I don't live there. A small town along the U.S.-Mexico border at the southern tip of Texas. The victim was treated with in intensive care for three days for a severe laceration to his intestine, West Laco police spokesman J.P. Rodriguez said. The alleged assailant, whose name was not made public, has no history of mental problems or criminal behavior. Take note of that. I'm not making excuses for this kid, but I think sometimes it's harder for them to separate reality from fiction, the police spokesman said. This is kind of bizarre, and I would say that maybe he wasn't separating. Maybe he actually was in reality being told to do that. Now, after stabbing him, the boy took his friend to a nearby auto repair shop so the owner could call an ambulance. A third boy said he witnessed the stabbing and that his knife-wielding friend told the victim to say he fell on the blade. Marketed by Hasbro, the Ouija board has a flat surface marked with letters, numbers, and symbols. It is used in a seance game that is said to help players communicate with the dead. Rodriguez called the case a little eerie, but said investigators believe the boy used the Ouija board to rationalize the attack. He actually believed what the Ouija board advised him, that the friend was the cause of his problems, Rodriguez said. That's kind of the incredible part. You know, though, time and time again, I have heard stories about a Ouija board, and we get a lot of different listeners. Um, We're called Fringe Radio Network. We have shows with some different topics. And some of you out there may be skeptical, but I can tell you, I have heard stories after story about Ouija boards and weird things going on with them. And even people who don't believe in what I believe, which is the Christian story, Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for the sins of mankind, and those who put their faith in him will become born again. You know, even if you don't believe that, There are story after story from people who don't share my faith who say that in their research they found that Ouija boards have done great damage to people who have used them. There was even a story, uh, speaking of Bigfoot, there was even a story about a girl who used a Ouija board. I believe Nick Redfern told me this. And a Bigfoot showed up in her bedroom. Now that's bizarre, and maybe that gives us a clue about what these Bigfoot are if Bigfoot is real. I've never personally seen one, but if if it's real, whatever this lady saw, whatever this image was that appeared, I believe it had demonic origins, roots in evil, and that this is real. And so I would advise people, please do not use a Ouija board. It is not to your advantage. It will create problems that you will uh, have to address at some point through a, a supernatural means, and you will uh, you, something will attach itself to you. You will have great, great uh, uh, supernatural uh, problems that will plague you. So I would admonish people: please do not use Ouija boards. But it is proof, looking at this and reading this story, that these things are real. And so you need to ask yourself, what out there is real? What is going on in the world today? What is going on in in my state, my city, my country? All these strange things that are happening. Could, could the Bible story really be true? And it's something for all of us to take note. Here's another article. 
a buried UFO, metallic object found in hole by Franz Noglinger in Austria. And this is from the Huffington Post, their weird news section. Isn't it interesting that the Huffington Post has a weird news section? This story is about an Austrian farmer looking for his lost cat. He stumbled upon a hole that he thinks might contain the greatest UFO find of all time. Franz Noglinger, 47, found the 25-foot-deep, perfectly round hole in northwestern Austrian field while searching for his misplaced kitty Sunday night. He pulled out every investigative trick in the book to learn what was the bo- at the bottom. Throw rock down the hole? Check. I was looking for our family cat, Merleman, what a name, when I noticed the hole. I didn't know how deep it was then, so I dropped the stone down there and heard a metallic clunk, he told the Austrian Times. Big old magnet? Check. I managed to get a big magnet, which I dangled down there, and it clearly fastened onto something at the bottom. Boy, does this sound a little bit like Art Bell's Mel's Holes? Anyway, so there's something large and metallic about it down there, he said. It also sounds as if there is a hollow space around about which... Boy, this article's grammar is really horrible. It also sounds as if there is a hollow space around about... Whatever the metal object is. That doesn't even make sense. Anyway, it sounds as if there is a room underneath. He even called a local plumber who emptied the toilets out from the UFO. No, just kidding. He even called a local plumber who lowered a camera down the pit on a rope. But the camera failed just as it reached the object. Noglinger said that the interference may have been caused by some sort of electrical field. Regardless, the speculations are already flying. More than 500 people visited the site within the first day, uh, and archaeologists told the paper that the hole could have been formed when wooden timber from an underground burial chamber rotted away. Could be. Could be a UFO. I don't know. I suspect it's not a UFO. But anyway, you know what? Just the idea that everyone has UFO on the brain tells you something. It either tells you that the media wants us to... I mean, what is the Huffington Post reporting this kind of stuff for? I thought they were a political website. So anyway... Why are we supposed to be why are we supposed to be so enchanted and so focused on UFOs these days? I really don't know. Someone needs to ask that question. What is what why is the media so fascinated by UFOs but yet they won't talk about the Federal Reserve and how it's screwing the middle class? I mean that's just ridiculous. So it's paused to for me to think. I'm skeptical by nature. So, you know, I haven't seen a UFO, but I I believe that if they are flying around then they would have to have demonic uh roots to it. I see no proof of little aliens coming from millions of miles away just to stop by and then leave after five minutes. That doesn't make sense to me. But it would make sense to me that someone wants us to believe in aliens, at least. And whether it's the media or whether it's the supernatural world or whether it's both, we're being flooded with articles about these things. And it it gives me pause to think quite a bit about this. Now, is anyone out there having a bad day? Some of us are. You know, we have uh, days where we feel like we've gotten beat up. We've been in a 15-round match with Muhammad Ali, and maybe we're losing. Uh, You know, a lot of people go through that kind of stuff, and 
they see lack in their life. They say, you know, I, I can't make it. I have a bad education. I, I didn't go to college or I'm poor. I'm too old. I'm a, I'm divorced. Nobody will want me. And, you know, we've got to stop and think. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been bought by his blood and you're a child of God, you have the supernatural favor of God. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible talks about in Ruth chapter 2, it talks about how Ruth was a a poor Moabite widow who went with her mother-in-law to live in Bethlehem, which is a Jewish town where the inhabitants considered Moabites as outcasts. But she didn't wallow in self-pity, and and she didn't moan about being a poor widow of the wrong race in the wrong place. Instead, she believed that God would favor her, and she declared, I will find favor in the field that I glean from. And uh, and, and also, chapter 2, verse 2, Ruth said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. In in the natural, Ruth had everything going against her. But because she trusted in the favor of God, she not only became the wife of Bethlehem's richest man when Boaz married her, she also became the great-grandmother of David and had her name included in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, even though she was not a Jewess. That is what God's supernatural favor did for her. That's the kind of blessing God's supernatural favor can give you. Psalms chapter 91, verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Every day, every day, all of us is bombarded with news of conflicts, natural disasters, diseases, and other things. Just today, on the news, during the same day as the taping of this program, There was a 7.4 earthquake in Mexico. So we hear of people losing their loved ones in accidents, such as earthquakes, and we ask ourselves, is there a place where I can take refuge from a world gone mad? Now listen to this, because the world is going mad, and you need a refuge. And there is a refuge. God foresaw all these things that are happening today. You know, in fact, let me just say this. A lot of people believe that these earthquakes are God's judgment, so they see a country like Mexico, it you know, an earthquake hits, or they see an earthquake hit in the United States, and first thing I see are a bunch of YouTube videos of people saying, repent of your sins now, you know, this is judgment. Well, you should repent of your sins, you should come to Jesus Christ, um, you, you should do that. But I don't believe that these are judgment, I believe that these are the birth pains, that are very clearly spoken of, that as we get closer to the return of the Lord, that the that all of creation would groan for his return. That's what we're seeing. So we can't look at an earthquake in Mexico and say that's because something that Mexico is doing. Everyone's in the same boat, technically. And uh, many of us are redeemed from the curse of the law. Praise the Lord. Now, Talking about a refuge, where do we find a refuge in this mess that's going on today? I mean, I just look at stuff and I can't believe the things that are going on. And if my grandparents were still alive, they would be shocked at some of the things on television today. Free TV, things that the FCC used to guard against are now all over the place. 
Now, God foresaw all these things, and he promised in his word protection from every evil known to man. There's no trap set by the devil that our Father cannot deliver us from if we trust in him and take him as our refuge. That's his promise in Psalm 91. In fact, you should read that over and over, Psalm 91. Whether it's an earthquake like today, whether it's a sniper, a crazy sniper, an unknown virus, a terrorist attack, again, uh, you know, diseases that are going around, God says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. That's Psalms 91, verse 5 and 6. What a powerful chapter. Because you made him your dwelling place, and you're born again, if you are born again, angels are watching over you right now. Psalms 91, 9 through 11. They give heed to the voice of God's word. So you should give voice to God's word. This means you should agree with and speak what God's word says about his preserving and protecting you. Again, go to Psalm 91. That's a powerful chapter. So instead of saying what the world says, which the world seems to say, if it can happen to them over there, it can also happen to me. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, again, Psalm 91, verse 7, A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. The world says that you cannot but expect danger all around. God says, you are in this world, but not of this world. You have my protection because you are of me and in me. John 17, verses 14 through 23. Now that's powerful. That's how much God loves you. Up next is our very special guest, Dr. Jim Garrow, who has saved the lives of 44,000 plus Chinese baby girls. And his story is chronicled in the new book, the Pink Pagoda. The Prophecy of the Popes The Shawshank Redemption All of these things pale in comparison to Doomsday. Doomsday is looked upon as a sign. Doomsday is seen as trouble or as a warning. Doomsday is both. The Bruce Collins Show cannot escape what is to come because Doomsday is not an event. Doomsday is a person. I am Doomsday. We're going to have to do something about this. I keep telling my producer, we're going to have to do something about this. Rick, if you're listening, we've got to talk after the show about these interruptions. 
Let's start the music over, and we'll bring on our guest, Dr. Jim Garrow. Described by the United Nations as a criminal engaged in human trafficking, Dr. Jim Garrow works through his Pink Pagoda campaign to save Chinese baby girls, 40,000 and counting, from gendercide, a fate tied to the one-child policy of that nation. Dr. Garrow was nominated for the 2009 Nobel Peace Prize, where he would be runner-up to the eventual winner, President Barack Obama. The new book, The Pink Pagoda, One Man's Quest to End Gendercide in China, is Jim Garrow's story. Jim, welcome to the Bruce Collins Show. Well, thanks, Bruce. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's, it's an honor to have you on. And, and you know, your, the dedication in your book says, My idol was money. God showed me his path for me. I changed. How was money an idol for you before the events of your book? It just was a, a focus of everything I did, everything I thought about. Uh, you know, if it wasn't money, it was what money could buy or what money made you look like, uh, the opinions of other people. It was a real trap. Yeah. So how was your life affected by the birth of your newborn twin sons? Oh, wow, that was uh, that was just uh, <laughs> marvelous. You're the first person to ask me that, so that's marvelous that you ask. Um, yeah, that, it was a life changer. We had two other children, so number three became three and four. Um, the birth was tough, you know, as you've read in the book, and uh, uh, with the the fact that uh, the one boy was born dead, you know, um, the umbilical cord is wrapped around his neck, so they had to revive him, get him going, and uh, they hustled him off to Six Children's Hospital in Toronto, and my wife, you know, there were other issues there, and here I am left uh, to wander the hall, and I went down to the chapel and made a pact with God. 
you know, the policy in China, as we said before, is a one-child policy. Um, to us, maybe in the West, that seems inconceivable, although, you know, we have abortion, and that seems to, um, sadly, have become a norm to a lot of people. What, what, do, what does the average Chinese person think of this policy? Well, you know, they look at it as, as a necessity, and uh, I guess what they have um, over time have uh, absorbed is the, the wisdom of their government, that there must be good reason. Um, I think they all remember the days of starvation, um, much of which was caused by government policy. Um, in the great leap forward in the Cultural Revolution by Mao and Deng Xiaoping, uh, so I guess they think that it, it's a necessity, uh, therefore they go along with it. Hmm. Now, you had an employee, and this is in your book again, The Pink Pagoda, One Man's Quest to End Genderside in China. This is a great book. I highly recommend it. But you had an employee by uh, by the name of, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Xin Yi, who you discovered. Xin Yi. Okay. Xin Yi, yeah. <laughs> that figures. I, I would get it wrong. <laughs> now, now, you discovered her crying. Sure, yeah. Can, can you tell us about this situation? Yeah, she was, uh, and here's the thing, she was, you know, kind of the upbeat person, you know, the, the life of the party kind of person. Mm-hmm. Every office, I think, has one of those. And uh, one day she was in, in tears, uh, just sobbing, inconsolable. And it turned out that uh, when we investigated, it turned out that she had just gotten word from her sister that the new baby girl that she had just had, the husband was insisting they kill it to make way for a son. So uh, quite the tragedy. Um, yeah, and that started this whole adventure because I, I was just aghast that, you know, something I'd heard as a rumor, I thought, you know, urban legend, you know, they, they don't really kill their baby girls, come on. Uh, but here it was, uh, a good good employee of mine faced with this, uh, this situation. And I just said to her, uh, do you tell your sister that we'll do whatever uh, to save this baby girl? And so in the end we flew all the way across China and uh, met with the husband and the, and the, the woman, and uh, he was sufficiently convinced that we were good folks, and uh, rather than kill the daughter, he, uh, he turned the daughter over to us. Now, it's obvious reading this book that God had his hand on you, but how did this expand into saving more lives? Was it word of mouth, or how, how did this happen? Yeah, you know, uh, we have a large network of schools, and way back then we had a, a smaller network, but uh, still a network of schools. And it didn't take long for word to get out. I mean, instantly, the minute I think, uh, I think the phones were ringing right away uh, all across the network of schools, and you know, and the people uh, who were in the sphere of influence of our employees. But they they were saying, you know, Jim saved this baby, and so the word went out, and you know, people who were in similar circumstances you know, popped up, either they were employees or friends of employees. And um, so within two days after our having saved this uh, one baby girl and getting it adopted, um, my same lady comes into my office, leans, I remember her leaning out the door, Jim, kind of casually and saying, Mr. Jim, uh, we have two more babies. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's just the way it went. <laughs> there were two and then there was, you know, four and then another two and another one and wow. just kept going wow. so um 44,000 babies later 12 years later uh it's quite uh Remarkable. quite the giant uh, task in the end but now i'm looking at it from this end looking back at the time it was just you know we did it as it as it came now was this an expensive venture yes uh very expensive um uh, hmm. 
we have a lot of money uh, out. Uh, it basically costs about a thousand dollars to save each child. So you can imagine doing the math, uh, what the cost would be. Now, notwithstanding the character in Star Wars, I found this interesting. Who is Yoda? And talk, <laughs> talk about your first encounters with him. This is this is funny. I'm in a restaurant. I'm doing the worst thing. I the thing I hate to do, which is accounting. Uh, so I'm working on books and trying to reconcile receipts. And you know, a lot of it's written in Chinese. And you know, I'm sitting there going, duh. Uh, <laughs> so um, uh, I, I'm not paying attention to the environs of the restaurant. In fact, I was kind of ticked because my regular table was taken up by someone else. So here comes um, uh, some guy walks past me and then parks himself. Uh, right across from me and of course I look up to see who it is and it looks like a street uh, a street person um you know kind of short bent over and wearing a kind of a hooded robe kind of a deal uh looked kind of dirty and yeah he looked like a street person um and uh, the, I mean the major d came whipping over and a, and a waiter came whipping over to drag the guy out back onto the street but you know in 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 perfect english uh, this guy ordered coffee with cream and, you know, a bunch of stuff all at, at the same time. And it was like, unbelievable. Here's this wonderful English coming from this bum. And, um, of course, we were all sort of huh? <laughs> taken aback at that. And uh, that gave us a moment to think, I guess. And, and I just said, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, get his order. Um, and they hustled off, the waiter and, and the manager. And uh, the guy uh, sitting across from me just turns, looked me right in the eye, and clear-eyed, by the way, um, and and he said, you know, you're making an idiot of yourself. You're going to get yourself killed. You're going to get your organization killed, your people. You're doing a good thing, but you're doing it wrong. I'm going to come and meet with you, and we're going to work out how to, to save your life and to change what you're doing so you're going to be successful. You know, basically all that in a couple of sentences, he picks himself up, and he hustles out of the restaurant again. And I'm I'm sitting there scratching my head. What in the world just happened? So that's Yoda. Yeah. So um, <laughs> called him Yoda because that's what you, you reminded me of that Star Wars little guy. Now it's interesting because wasn't he, he involved in uh, some type of intelligence work? Or yes, actually, and and you know, true to his word, uh, he ends up in my uh, my apartment, my penthouse apartment. Uh, a couple of days later, um, and I mean, gone is the little guy, you know, in disguise and the, and the funny robe and stuff. Um, and here's this guy dressed uh, in, uh, you know, good-looking, uh, you know, it could have been Gucci uh, shoes and, the, um, you know, Armani uh, suit or whatever, and, you know, great silk tie and all this. And the guy's, you know, totally clean, and, and he's looking a lot taller, by the way. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's not stooped over or anything like that, and... Uh, He's sitting on my couch. Now, the thing is, he's gotten past the guards at the bottom of the floor, uh, sorry, down at the bottom uh, by the elevators. He's gotten past the guards on the floor, and he's gotten into my apartment, which is pretty secure with, you know, modern, uh, um, a modern locking mechanism. Wow. And, uh, you know, here he is sitting on my couch when I come through the door. Hmm. And, yeah, true to his word, he, uh, he brought a dossier uh, about uh, two and a half inches thick of my activities for the previous eight months including a couple of months in Canada, um, but he'd been tracking me, uh, and he was. He was the, the top dog of uh, the People's Liber- Liberation Army Intelligence Service, and uh, he was determining whether I was a good guy or a bad guy and whether they were going to kill me or not. Hmm. So did this allow you some protection to continue your work? 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, while we were sitting there, he explained to me how he thought we should change what we were doing and that he would take charge of the security aspect of everything we were doing uh, and that he wanted to do it. It was something he was willing to do, he wanted to do, and he said, as he said to me at that point, uh, I know the intelligence community, they know me, they respect me, they will respect you. And, I, you know, that made a lot of sense to me, you know, because I was kind of like, just fumbling along for those first two years. We, we'd saved about 3,000, I think, babies, um, just under that in, in the first two years. But I'm telling you, it was, you know, it was by guess and by golly, and uh, by the grace of God, we didn't do anything stupid. Although, you know, maybe we were saved from the things that we did that were stupid, but still, um, we managed to do what we did. But once Yoda took over, Man, things changed, and it increased the numbers that we were able to save, the uh, the reach. We were out into all the provinces of China, and uh, no, he was a godsend for sure. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, God puts these things into place, but Yoda was not a Christian, correct? Oh, no. No, he sure wasn't. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's... And, you know, we've ta we talked philosophy. We talked, uh, I mean, he knew who I was. He knew Christianity. He knew... Uh, he could quote uh, the Bible. Um, he knew it. Um, but no, I can't say he ever became a Christian. Um, yeah, sadly. Hmm. Yeah. Because last we we heard he's passed away, correct? Yes, he died in 2009. Hmm. Now, you when you were nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, the Chinese government revoked your passport, which I guess I can understand that. But I understand that the U.S. border is also closed to you. Why do you think that is the case? Well, you know, <laughs> my publisher, uh, because <laughs> let's face it, trying to publish and put out a book uh, when the author cannot speak in public, like can't be there physically to present, you know, the situation and, and the story, as it were, uh, that's like, you know, fighting with one hand tied behind your back. So it is a pretty tough thing. Uh, my publisher, WorldNet Daily, and Joseph and Elizabeth Farah, just wonderful people, mm -hmm. um, they've applied uh, with the, is it the Freedom of Information Act? Mm -hmm. um, and they've got some, uh, I think, Christian uh, legal association helping um, to demand, you know, answers from the government as to why I am, in fact, uh, banned. Um, but I am, so I can't come into the United States, but, uh, you know, we're looking into it. Uh, it could be as simple a thing as, um, Mr. Obama doesn't like being criticized by someone who may have an audience. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, again, the book is The Pink Pagoda, One Man's Quest to End Genderside in China by Jim Garrow. And, again, it's uh, published by WorldNet Daily. You can find it at WND.com, Amazon.com, and where other great books are sold. So even though you cannot go back to China, is The Pink Pagoda still able to operate and save lives in China? Oh, yes. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, I communicate every day uh, with with China through Skype. I think mm -hmm. lots of people use Skype now. Uh, very effective uh, means of communication. So I talk to the folks in our schools, and uh, I have other methods that uh, I use to communicate with the people who are involved in Pink Pagoda itself. Last question. Is there a way that people can contact you or help with this, uh, some of our listeners? Yes, we're we're in the process of setting something up. I okay. I can't say too much about it, but um, we have a lawyer in Las Vegas who is uh, setting up. It's uh, called Pink Pagoda LLC, Limited Liability, Liability Corporation. I think is the way that that works. Um, and there will be an opportunity to, if people want to give money, which 
I'm blown away by the numbers of folks who have uh, said just that. We'd like to help. We'd like to financially contribute. So uh, we will have that, and it will be published in our uh, Facebook site, which oh. is The Pink Pagoda, and under the book. So there's going to be word in the next few days about uh, what people can do uh, to support us in that. Great. And again, the book, one more time, is The Pink Pagoda, One Man's Quest to End Gendercide in China by Jim Garrow. And I highly recommend this book. I've read the book. It is outstanding. Jim, thank you so much for being our guest this week. Well, thank you, Bruce. It's been uh, been a privilege. Same here. We'll be back next week, folks, with our first auditionist, whoever it may be. And again, we will have several through the next week, few weeks until we crown the new news segment reporter here at the Bruce Collins Show. And regarding the doomsday problem, we're going to clear that up this week and I guess hope for the best next week. Our guest next week is Joe Ortiz, and we'll be back right here at the Bruce Collins Show. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everyone.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.